you have a mission. And I think that's why most veterans are very successful in this industry. We see the mission. This is the Construction Veteran Podcast. Construction Veteran Podcast. Connecting and celebrating veterans in construction. Now, here's your host, Scott Friend. Welcome to the Construction Veteran Podcast. My name's Scott Friend. I'm your host. Guys, I'm so excited to start digging into this with you. This has been a long time coming, a passion project of mine. On this episode, we're just going to talk about who I am, why we're doing this, and what's the importance. Let's dig into it. Hey guys, thanks again. Welcome to the podcast. So as I said in the intro, my name's Scott Friend. Um, This is the Construction Veteran Podcast. And what's this thing all about? So it's obviously, like I said, a passion project of mine, but what's the point? What's the big deal? Why are we doing this? Um, There's a lot, a lot of veterans within this industry. I mean, I feel like I meet somebody, gosh, maybe weekly, other veterans. Now, you know, I'm fairly outspoken about my service, but it's, it's not, it's not a machismo. Here's what I did by any means. I mean, I can't, I, I don't have such a cool background that I can brag about it anyway, right? But this is something that, you know, it's part of my life. It molded who I am. And with my background, it, it got me into this industry. So we'll cover that a little bit during this episode and then obviously in, in future episodes. Um, so why are we doing this, though? So part of it is to give recognition to the industry, the, the outstanding veterans that uh, lead this industry, the ones within this industry, uh, the folks that just transitioned and are in this industry. Um, a big goal of mine is with the recent drawdown of Afghanistan within the last few years, and I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about that. I know I have my own. This is not a political podcast, but God, uh, gosh, I mean, I know many people are upset about it. But we're not going to cover that, at least not in this episode. But with that drawdown, we have a large generation of people that are transitioning out of the service. Maybe people that were going to be lifers, but they figured out, you know what, if I can't take the fight to the enemy right now, uh, where, where were we, we were at in GWAT, I, I don't know if I want to serve anymore. Everybody has their different reasons for getting out. You know, it might not be that. It might be a myriad of other reasons. But with those people getting out, they're looking for gainful employment. So a lot of people look at construction in a negative way of thinking, oh, I'm just going to be out digging a ditch for many hours a day. It's not going to pay that much. Well, I'll tell you this. Sometimes those ditch diggers, they make a lot more money than you think. Uh, But also people don't realize the myriad of different opportunities there are within the industry. So the goal of this is to not only encourage them to get in the industry, but highlight all the different routes that they could take. I've seen a lot of very successful veterans, some that will be featured on this podcast. Some started their own companies, uh, some work for large companies, some work for small companies, and they move their way up into the CEO position maybe. Uh, But we're going to hear from all different kinds, people in safety, quality control, project management, uh, superintendent like me. We're going to have a lot of those folks on. So why are we doing this? Part of it is to encourage the people that are transitioning out of the service to see that this industry is viable. It's something that they can use to not only provide for themselves and their families, but it will help with their transition. And what I mean by that is it's a very similar environment to the service. You have to think it's chaotic sometimes. It's inherently dangerous depending on what type of construction you're doing. 
You are sometimes leading teams, depending on what your position is. Uh, you have a mission. And I think that's why most veterans are very successful in this industry. We see the mission. Let's take a project, for example. We see the schedule. We see the end date. We see the people in our care that we have to look out for. And we execute. And we have a team that we have to motivate sometimes to do things that maybe they don't necessarily want to do. But just like in the service, we have to figure out a way to motivate those individuals and we have to lead them and show them that we are willing to do that task before asking them to do it. So I could go on and on about why we're doing this, but this is a passion of mine, this industry, and obviously my background as a vet um, is part of why it's the construction veteran. Now, it's it's a play on words, of course. We want to get folks on this podcast that are veterans within our industry as well. Uh, this is mainly for military veterans. However, I will be having some folks on that are just supporters of veterans. They love veterans. They want to support us, um, and they want to see us succeed post-service. We hear time and time again, about the devil within, with the demons that a lot of veterans face. But I can tell you, this industry and those of you that are in it, we know it can be very rewarding. Yes, it is stressful. However, that feeling when you get that C of O at the end of a project is amazing. Your mission has been accomplished. You executed successfully, and you've turned that building over to a client. It's a great feeling. Or maybe you're on the manufacturing side. And you get that purchase order and you get that product out the door. You're proud of what you do. You can look back on it and say, hey, I built that. That's a big deal. So a lot of people get out and they just don't know what they're going to do. And they feel like their possibilities are nil. They have nothing that they can go into. Say you're a combat arms guy or girl. And you get out and you think, how am I going to translate this into the civilian world? Well, man, you have better leadership skills than most of us out there. Golly, talk about leading a team to do something maybe they don't want to do in a very hazardous environment. So you know how to rally the troops together and get it done. So we'll find out more in future episodes on different facets of the industry. Where do people come from? We're going to talk to people from all different branches. Uh, We're going to talk to people from all different MOSs and jobs from uh, operators we have, uh, so we have people from tier one, tier two units. Uh, then we have people that maybe were support personnel. Sometimes, uh, some of those folks, myself included, maybe they carried that, that work into our industry. So with that, I'll kind of segue into why, why am I doing this? What's the big deal? So, uh, I was a CB, I was a builder for those of you who don't know what a CB is. Um, that is the, the, the nickname for the Navy's engineer force CB being construction battalion. So the CB stood up March 5th, 1942. Uh, We were made as a force to not only construct, but take the fight to the enemy if needed. So the motto is we build, we fight. There's a lot to it. I encourage you to look up uh, the CB history. There's a lot behind it. We're (laughs) typically not boat guys. So we, we like to call ourselves dirt sailors. So we're boots on ground um, supporting the war effort in different facets. So we might be building airfields. So that my first deployment, we did some of that. We did some AM2 matting for airfields when we were in Kuwait. 
Um, and then my second deployment, I got to support JSOC personnel in Afghanistan and fly to different fobs and build for those those uh, high-speed, low-drag guys. You know who you are out there. Um, so that was great. That was my exposure to that soft community. It was outstanding, soft being special operations forces. So um, most of you guys know what that means, but hopefully we have people that are non-military that do tune into this. Uh, so I did that for about seven years. I, I enlisted in 2004. Um, I actually started out as a combat support air crewman flying on 53s. That's a, a very large helicopter. Uh, the Marine Corps has a very similar one called CH-53. I flew on the MH-53, so I was the crew chief in the back. Um, we're, we're kind of the eyes of the pilots. Pilots see about 10 to 2, and we see everything behind. We maintain the aircraft. The squadron that I was in uh, actually got decommissioned. So the Marine Corps did the same mission set as my squadron, but they did it for cheaper. So what do you think the government's going to do? So we decommissioned the squadron. And I, I, I didn't want to go to one of the other squadrons. That's neither here nor there. Why? But I said, man, I really want to still uh, shoot guns and go fast. Cause we got the opportunity to train with Rangers seals. And I said, man, this is great. Um, I'm not a door kicker, but man, I love supporting those guys. So I sat down with the detailer, which is like a, um, a career counselor, if you will. So I sat down with them and I, I said, what do I qualify for? So they laid out this list in front of me and the, the, I, the, the jobs that I qualified for. And they said, do you want to be a, a CB? They need some CBs right now. And I'm thinking, what the heck is a CB? So unless you've been in the service, you, I didn't know what a CB was. And they said, well, do you like construction? And the only construction experience that I ever had is when I was younger, I can remember my dad and his best friend, they modified our unfinished basement into a bedroom a laundry room and a bathroom. And man, I thought that was the coolest thing ever that you could take this empty shell of a space and make it into something great, which is what I do now. Um, so fast forward, you know, I did my time in the bees. I was fortunate enough to get with a, a just a rock star battalion with great leadership. I was an NMCB 74, uh, based out of Gulfport, Mississippi, uh, did two deployments, did one to Kuwait where I served, uh, we did some camp maintenance, but I also was fortunate enough Every CB battalion has a Marine Corps gunnery sergeant. So I worked alongside the, the gunnery sergeant and a, another petty officer, and we served as the range coaches. So we, we trained and pushed people into Iraq, other CBs and other folks. We trained them in tactics, and then we sent them off. Um, so that was a great time. Um, I, I still have some of my friends to this day, some of my closest friends that know me better than anybody, came out of that deployment and my next deployment um, was to Afghanistan where I said, you know, I got the opportunity to, to fly all over and support the, uh, special operations folks. So that was great. Had a really good time. Um, just, I, I have, you know, there's negative times that obviously we don't like to remember, right? We remember the good times, but all in all, you know, it was a great experience. I think it's the best thing that I could have done for my, my, myself and my future career. So fast forward past that, uh, got out of the service, uh, had a friend suggest, that I looked into LinkedIn. Now this is back in 2010 when I was preparing to get out of the service in 2011 when I separated in June of 2011. But this friend suggested LinkedIn. I'm thinking, what the heck's LinkedIn? This is the early days, guys, of LinkedIn. So I, I went on there and at the time, all it was was just networking groups. It was kind of like a, a meetup. So you have those those meetup group uh, apps now that you can just go find a group of people with like uh, that are like-minded and go meet up. So it was a lot of networking 
And I was, man, I was really putting myself out there. I, I, I'm embarrassed to say I made my own business cards and I, I had no degree. I didn't really have much experience except for my service. Now, see, I discounted that service thinking, man, I don't, I don't have any experience. However, looking back, I finally realized, hey, I've got scheduling experience. I have safety experience. I have crew leader experience. I got out of the service as a journeyman level carpenter uh, because of my hours. So I, I am a card holder today. Um, and I used that to my benefit. And eventually I found an individual who liked my story. Um, as you can tell, I'm sitting here doing a podcast. so I'm not very shy. So they liked my story. And eventually I got a really good opportunity with a large nationwide general contractor. Um, I did a little bit of time in estimating and realized, Hey, I want to be in the field. I want to be where the, the crews are at. I want to be with those folks. I want to learn. Uh, and man, I got what I asked for the first couple of jobs. They were tough. Um, I, I did a lot of work. I worked my way up and I was, I had one job, it was my second project and I was just up to my knees in mud every morning. So they started me out and made me learn hard, but eventually I worked my way up into running job sites. Um, my wife and I, I had gotten married, uh, by this time, my wife and I weeks after we got married, we got an offer to go to Germany in this industry. So that's one thing that people need to know is, hey, look, you're not just going to get stuck somewhere. You might be a traveling superintendent or project manager, or you could work overseas. Now, at the time, I couldn't tell you what the data is now, but at the time, there was about 800 individuals that worked in that overseas construction world. Some of them were in dangerous environments, but I was fortunate enough I could bring my spouse with me because we lived in Frankfurt, Germany for a year. It was amazing just the, the, the pace of life over there. We worked at a consulate. We were not government employees, but we got the opportunity to work at the consulate in Frankfurt doing some mechanical, um, and some electrical and civil upgrades. It was great. Um, that, that was the first time, excuse me, second time I'd been overseas since I deployed. I did do a, a quick personal trip to Ireland, which was great story for another day. But Great opportunity. Uh, came back to the States because my wife was pregnant and this was on a contract for a year. I decided not to extend that contract. And I was out of work for like four months. I've got a pregnant wife. I'm freaking out. I don't know what I'm going to do. Thankfully, you know, overseas money or overseas work pays pretty well. I'm going to be honest. We did stash away a lot of money. So thankfully I survived. Uh, during the time we were out of work, we had the opportunity to live with her mother in Albuquerque. And then I got a job in El Paso. So I worked as a project manager for a little bit on a very large job. Um, and then I realized, man, I, I just got to get back to the field. So I, I, I ended up following a friend of mine to another company and went back to the field. Uh, I was a field superintendent at this time and continued to work my way up, uh, working on jobs here and there. And I, I'm now in the Dallas area, just south of Dallas. And we work all over DFW. I work for another national general contractor. I have a, an amazing team that I work with. Shout out to those guys. You know who you are. Um, just loving it. So I, I'm a, a project superintendent. Right now I'm, I'm running a multi-million dollar project that's about 170,000 square feet, give or take. Great, great project. Great client. Great sub teams. And man, the one thing that I've enjoyed more than anything about this industry is the relationships. We connect so well with people in this industry, in the field, as veterans, we connect with them so well. Sometimes it's, it, it's just as good as the team that we had when we were downrange. And I've told our team that. I feel so fortunate 
to know these individuals. These, the best way I can describe it is these, these foremen that I work with, they're like the warrant officers of their trade. They're the technical experts, just great individuals. So we might be like the command, right? We're, we're the talk, we're the tactical operations center. We're sending out, here's what we need to do and gathering the teams and they go and execute it. They're the teams guys. So they go and get it done. And it's such a great, great transition out of the service. And it's rewarding. The hard times are hard. I'm not going to lie to you. There are long hours, much like the service. There's no sleep sometimes, much like the service. Because you're working your butt off until the wee hours of the night to bring in a project. But that's not every day. Just like in the service, it's not every day. Sometimes you might be back stateside and you go muster up and then you go home. When you're not training, you're going home. Maybe you're working out. So that happens in our industry as well. So there's a lot more to that. Um, You know, who I was before the service. uh, Grew up in northern Kentucky, probably 10 minutes or so south of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I have a great family. I come from a military family as well. My dad served in the Navy in Vietnam. Um, I have many, many other members of my family that had served. And I'm proud to do that. Uh, Continue that lineage. I have three daughters now. If they choose to serve, I will probably tell them, hey, go get a really awesome technical job in the Air Force so you are guaranteed a good job when you get out. But no, in all seriousness, I mean, if they choose to serve, I'm going to tell them the good and the bad. But I would love for my kids to get into this industry. And my, I've taken my oldest to the job site before, and I get a kick out of it. Um, I have pictures I've shared on my LinkedIn. Some of you guys have probably seen where... Um, I gave her a, a can of spray paint and I knew we had some carpet going down on the concrete. So I said, Hey, tag your name. And so we took a picture of her. She looked, she had a face, like she looked like she got caught. She was just playing and man, it's just so much fun to teach them. Hey, here's what daddy does all day. And it's a viable, viable way to live your life, to get an education every day, to meet some great people and make some good cash. You have so many opportunities. I've met just some amazing people throughout this industry that I feel so fortunate. So we're going to talk to a lot of those people during this podcast. Um, I've got connected even within this last week. I've gotten connected with some amazing people. I, I just, I'm dumbfounded. I don't think it's a mistake. I think God has, has laid this path out before many of us and connected us for a reason. And what that is, I think the culmination of that is this podcast. And what is going to come out of this podcast, I couldn't tell you yet. Uh, but I want to serve our community still. So let's fast forward to 2020. And I'm not talking about the pandemic. Yeah, we'll get there at some point. But I missed the service so much that I worked from 2019 to 2020 to somehow figure out how can I get a commission and get back in. So I started back in school again. By this time, I had an undergrad in religion because um, I thought I was going to be a minister. My wife and I have been very, very involved in church work. We actually met at our church in D.C. uh, And I thought, man, I'm going to go into full-time ministry. But I just fell in love with this industry so much. And I thought, you know what? I can make a big impact by the way I treat the people on my job site every single day. And I take the lessons that I learned from the senior NCOs and the NCOs that I served under and the, the officers that I served under. I take the lessons that I learned and I try to apply that to the job site today. How many times have you heard a veteran say the one thing that they learned from their time in the service is leadership? It's true. 
Leadership is the best lesson I think that the military taught us. Guys, I hate to say it, and I know a lot of you in the industry will agree, sometimes a monkey could do what we do. I hate to say that, but it's true. It's difficult, it's stressful, and it you have to be smart. But you have to have the right attitude, and you have to have integrity. But the one thing I think that you need above all is empathy. You have to care for your people. You have to care for them like their life is on the line because... Quite honestly, sometimes it is. When they have someone above them, maybe a supervisor, that doesn't know that they need to be tied off at a certain point or they need to be wearing a certain PPE, you can step in and say, hey, look, I care about you this much. I told a young man, gosh, this is probably eight years ago maybe. His foreman wasn't taking care of him very well. And these guys are on the fifth floor of a hospital, roofing, and they're close to the edge and they have no tie-off. I told the guys, you can't be doing this. Guys, we have to tie off. And I told the foreman, hey, look, give these guys something to wear. You know, we went through, obviously, all the fall protection. I didn't say just something to wear, right? But I go up again, and they're not doing it. And it hurt me to send the guys home. I asked them to go home, and it hurts. And that hurts them financially. I didn't want to do that. But one of these kids was 19 years old. I pulled him aside, and I asked him, do you still live at home? He said, yeah. Do you have any kids? No. I said, buddy, I don't want to call your mom and dad and tell them what happened to you on the job site. I I, I couldn't live with that. I care about these people. I care about them just like the people that we had downrange. You know, some of these guys that you would take a bullet for, right? We need to treat our people like that. Now, this isn't a leadership podcast, but this is just telling you how similar that this industry is to the service. So, Uh, Fast forward to 2020, I commissioned uh, into the Army Reserves um, as a a lieutenant. So I was an O1E. I got out as an O2E. We'll we'll maybe discuss later why I decided to get out. But I was pursuing my MDiv, which I now have, my Master's of Divinity in Pastoral Counseling. I wanted to be a chaplain. So I served in the chaplain corps for two years, and I thought, I'm going back to active duty. I got so fed up with this industry for some dumb reasons, and it was just some people. It was just the wrong reason to try to get out. And I'm so thankful that I stayed in. And I made that decision and made to stick with my family last June. So June of 2022, I resigned my commission. My wife and I realized after I was gone for only a couple weeks on our field training in the summer that it was difficult on our family. I didn't know what that felt like. I could not empathize with the guys that I was downrange with that missed their children being born, missed birthdays. I had a girlfriend at the time, but... I I didn't have kids. I wasn't committed to a wife at this point. I didn't know what that felt like. So only being away a few weeks, it was hard on all of us. Obviously harder on them. My wife met me after the service. So I decided to resign my commission. And I thought, I'm ashamed of myself. What am I doing? But I was encouraged by some mentors of mine. One of whom I gave my commission to. I, I gave my oath, excuse me, to when I commissioned as an officer. And this is someone that I look up to like a father. But he was so proud of me for making the decision to stick with my family. So if you're out there listening and you've transitioned out of the service and there are some tier one guys that have done this too and you know who you are, you have gotten out of the service and made your family the priority. Let me tell you, your family is never the wrong decision, ever. Before I commissioned... And I thought I was going to go back and do my 20 and get out. 
Before I commissioned, I remember a man I look up to said, when you retire, make sure your family's there to accept you when you get off that stage. And that meant a lot to me. So I'm proud of my service. I'm really proud of what I do now. And I can't wait to share all the stories of other folks that are in this industry that serve, but also those who support us. They might not necessarily be veterans themselves. Maybe they have veteran families or veterans in their family, I should say. But those who support our veterans in and out of this workforce. So guys, I appreciate your time listening to me ramble. Um, If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, I would love to have you. So I would encourage you to send me an email at constructionvetpodcast at gmail.com or find me on LinkedIn at Scott Friend and send me a message. Let's get linked up. Let's share your story and let's continue to motivate others. 